Welcome everyone. We are continuing our study of Simha. We are on class number 73. As we have learned the last few weeks that compliments and praise is an essential part of healthy relationships, whether at home, whether at work, in school, socially. Compliment, that ability to compliment is a fundamental element in leadership of any kind. And recognizing the good in people actually brings out the best in them. There are certain things to keep in mind when it comes to this art of complimenting. That it's not as simple as it may seem. There are certain things that one needs to be careful not to do. There is kind of a dark side to compliments if they're not administered properly. One obvious example is a compliment that's obviously inflated. That's really not true or overblown, even if it is true. Parents often do that to young children, or sometimes older, depending on the situation, thinking that it's going to boost their self-esteem by saying, wow, you did that? When it's not true or it's overinflated, actually this kind of praise has a negative effect. It actually does the opposite of what we're trying to do. Because basically you're telling the person that you don't think very highly of them. You think so low of them that you had to make something up to give them a compliment. That's the underlying message. That you're so hazid that we can't even find something true and honest about what you do. So we have to blow something way out of proportion. Oh wow, you did this for your mother? I can't believe it. You got her a cup of water. That's, if that's the biggest deal that you're doing, then that says very little about you. So when it's not true or Overinflated. Overinflated means that you're giving something very big value when it's not that big. In the bigger picture, it's small. And you made it very big. So the, again, the message is you're not so special. So while you're trying to boost a person, you're actually lowering them. So again, good intentions are not always going to help you in these types of things. Your intentions are good, trying to help somebody, but you need to do it right. So compliments have to be sincere. 
They have to be real and they have to be balanced and measured at the right time, in the right tone, for the right thing. Another perhaps pitfall in this area is when you compliment someone, it needs to be on something that they did. So for example, complimenting someone that they have pretty eyes is not a compliment. It may make them feel good, but that's not really a compliment. Oh, you're so tall. What, what does that mean? That, that says nothing about the person. It's, first of all, it's giving them a good feeling from something that isn't really gonna help them if they think they're tall. Even telling someone, oh, you're so smart. Being smart itself is not a compliment. It's a gift that God gives people that they have a smarter type of mind. They think quicker, they understand faster. Maybe sometimes you want to point out a tool that God gave them, but not so much to compliment them in that. Sometimes to make them aware, by the way, you're a genius. <coughs> not, I'm so proud of you, you're a genius. That's not them. And when we compliment for something they didn't do, <coughs> it's a very, very bad example that we're showing them that success in life comes from things that you don't do. So you're not helping the person. Part of the koach of a compliment is to give the person the energy to do more, to be able to utilize their strength and their talents and their abilities. But that's not gonna happen if we're complimenting things that God gave them. How is that gonna help them? And again, it's a little bit also demeaning for the smart person. Sometimes simple people, they'll take any compliment. You tell them they walk and they love it. That you tell them any, any kind of good word, whether it came from God, it came from them, whether it's not even true. There are some people that are so thirsty for a compliment, they don't even care what you say. That's true. But hopefully our children are not on that level. Hopefully they're not starving that way. And normal people, healthy people, when they hear compliments of things they didn't do, it's a little bit of a put down. Because you're complimenting on something that I never accomplished. What about the things that I do? You can't find anything like that? Tell me I worked hard, wow, you're so responsible. You're so kind. The way you respect your mother and father, so special. The way you paid attention to that person that came to ask you for advice, wow. Things of that nature, those are real. That's something I did. And when you tell me that A, I feel right, I feel good, and B, I could do more of it. But telling me that I'm tall does nothing for me. Zero. another area to be careful from. Choosing compliments that the person accomplished, not what was given to them. 
by their parents or by the creator of the world. Another area in compliments that our rabbis teach us, I'm not sure that on our own we would have gotten to this. The first few, I think, if you thought about it really in depth, you could get to it. If you didn't think about it, you'd say, wow, what a hidush. I don't think what we said till now is a major hidush. Just have to think about it. But this one, I'm not sure that we would have gotten to it, even if we thought about it. Our rabbis tell us, commenting on the Pasuk in Noah, in the beginning of Parashat Noah, we're introduced to a man that we knew about only at his birth in the Parashah before. This Noah, the Torah says, was an Ish Tzadik Tamim. He was a righteous, complete person. That's how the Torah describes Noah. It's a beautiful, I wish that the creator of the world would vouch on me such beautiful words. And later on in the parasha, when Noah needs to go into the Teva, so Hashem tells him, Noah, it's time. And after he tells him to go into the Teva, he tells him, Ki otecha ra'iti tzaddik lefanai bador hazeh. We mentioned this pasuk a few weeks ago as a proof that Hashem himself compliments. But if you notice that when Hashem compliments Noah, he tells him, I saw you were a tzaddik. And the obvious question is, wait, he's not just a tzaddik, he's a tzaddik tamim. You, God, yourself said that. That's how you introduce this man to us. He's tzaddik tamim. Two different praises of Noah. Why when Hashem came to praise him, he just said the word tzaddik? What happened to tamim? Where did it go? So our rabbis learn from this pasuk an important principle in life, in the subject of compliments. And Rashi brings it, Allah shalom. Rashi says, Mikan, from here we learn, She'omrim miksat shivho shel adam befanav. When you're talking to a person, you compliment him a little bit. Ve'kulo shelo befanav. If he's not there, then you could give him all the compliments in the world. When Hashem is talking to us, He says, Noah is tzaddik, tamim, all the praises. When he's talking to Noah, he stops. Tzaddik, that's it. He doesn't give him the whole thing. He doesn't give him the full compliments that perhaps he deserves. We see this elsewhere, not just by Noah. We see it by the story of Miriam and Aharon, when they spoke, actually this week's parasha coming up, when Miriam and Aharon spoke, Lashon Hara an Moshe Rabbeinu, so the pasuk says that when Moshe and Aharon and Miriam were all together, 
Hashem comes and says, Vayikra, and He calls Aharon Umiryam. He calls them two only. Three were together, three siblings, Moshe, Aharon, Miriam. Hashem calls Aharon and Miriam, come out. Vayetzeu Shenehem. Both of them came out of the Ohel Moed. And Hashem tells them how they were off in accusing Moshe Rabbeinu of doing something inappropriate. And Hashem describes to them who Moshe Rabbeinu was. They compared themselves. They said, if we never separated from our spouse, why did Moshe have to do that? And Hashem has to set the record straight. You're not Moshe. And let me tell you who Moshe is. And Hashem goes to describe the greatness, the unique greatness of Moshe Rabbeinu. So Rashi Alava Shalom brings in the Midrash that says, wait, why did he only call them two out? Why not speak to all of them? Why can't Moshe hear when God speaks to Miriam and Aharon? Says Rashi, Why did Hashem have to separate Aharon and Miriam from Moshe? Lefi, says Rashi, oh, I'll tell you why. We know the rule. We learned it already. Because when you're talking to someone and he's there, so you only say a little bit of his praises. And since Hashem was about to give it all, He's going to give Moshe the full praise, the full compliments, so Moshe couldn't be there. So He had to call them out so that Moshe wouldn't hear the full compliments that Hashem had to say about him. Very interesting rule. The question is why? What's wrong with giving somebody all the compliments that you could think of about them? Why do we limit a little bit? Say one. You have two things? Say one. I don't know if you have four. Should you say two? I'm not sure. I don't know what the number is. Clearly, it doesn't mean that if someone is great at something, you should tell them they're mediocre. That's not mixat. Mixat doesn't mean in the quality. Someone works so hard or is very responsible and you say, you know, you're a little responsible. That's not what we mean. That would seem to be A, a lie and it's actually demeaning. Mixat seems to mean that if they have this many qualities, don't mention everyone. Just say mixat. Point out the greatness of one. Maybe more than one. Again, I don't know. That I don't know. How many? Is it half? Is it a third? Is it only one? I don't know. But clearly it's not everything. And the question is why? What is wrong with that? What is the problem? If I tell someone every compliment that I could think of, how could that hurt? But again, you see how we started the class. There is a dark side to compliments. It's not all good. And here's an example. Torah says, be warned. Someone's in front of you. Don't tell them the whole thing. So again, why not? 
So there are a few different reasons why not. Rashi Allah Shalom, he says the reason is because it looks like you're inflating the praise. You know, when you say so much, even though you may not be inflating, but it may come off like you're flattering, like you're giving a person too much. And remember what we said at the beginning of the class, when you inflate or you give someone flattery with something that's not really true, or you're making too much of a big deal out of it, it's not accepted well. You're not helping the person. You're hurting them. So she's saying that when you give someone everything, it looks like, it may feel like you're overdoing it, which makes the person feel like you really don't think he's that great. The Maharsha, Allah Shalom, gives another reason. He says, because when you give so much compliments to somebody, it may get to their head. And it may make them arrogant. And it may hurt them. At the end of the day, we want people to continue and improve themselves, to continue to rise. When they feel like they're done, Hashem tells to Noah, oh, you're a tzaddik, you're a tamim, okay, let me, let me, that's it, I'm done, accomplished. Let me go on vacation. Not a, it's not a good thing. We're not supposed to be helping people become vegetables. We're supposed to help people become greater. So when you give them a little compliment, it's enough to give them a boost, but not too much where it makes them feel accomplished. We have to, a fine line of making a kid, a child feel special or making them feel complete. Making them feel special, they want to work harder to make, become more special. When they, when they feel complete, like they're the greatest, so then that might actually hurt them because they might feel like, I'm done. What else do I have to do? I got it. I made it. Everyone notices how special I am, how great I am. That's what the Maharsha says. There's another explanation that we can say, and I think you'll find it to be true, is that when you give somebody a compliment, you have no idea what that person thinks of themselves. In other words, the person might think of themselves as A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Ten different things of greatness about themselves. And if you start listing the compliments, and in your mind you gave it all to them, they may say, wait, but why did you skip that one? I don't understand. How come you didn't mention how great of a mother I am? Oh, do you not think my kids are special? How come you didn't mention how I honor my mother? Oh, am I not good at that? When you start listing everything, you're bound to leave out something. Maybe if it's, you might leave a true thing out, or you might leave something that in their mind they have, and maybe they don't. But in the end, you're hurting them. So if you give too much, you're at risk. So therefore, give one compliment. Give two. This way, there's no question about, oh, why'd you leave out? I didn't leave out. I didn't tell you everything. It's obvious. I only mentioned one thing. Miksat shibho befanav. 
complimenting when you overdo it, even if it's true, could be dangerous for the reasons mentioned and maybe more. Let's go back to the Amidah. Because that's how we got here. We got here because we learned about the power of compliments from the way we connect to our Creator through the Amidah. And we learned last week that the most critical part of the Amidah is the part of the compliments, the beginning. Now notice that we pray at least three times a day. Sometimes more. Every day. Shahrit. Minha. Arbit. Again. Shahrit. Minha. Arbit. One might think, and I'm sure some people have the thought sometimes, like, I just said this. I said it a few hours ago. But our tefillah, our connection to Hashem through tefillah, needs constant reminders and a constant energy that you put into it. And I think that could be a great teacher for us in the world of compliments, not only with Hashem, but with others. And I think it's one of the pitfalls of compliments. I think many people feel they do give compliments when necessary, when they're able to. But I think most of us feel that when we give a compliment once, it's done. Like, how many times am I going to tell the person a compliment? I already said this last month. Last year, I remember, we went through this. By Pesach, I told everybody how special they are. I wrote my mother on her birthday, all her qualities. I'm good for the year. <laughs> done. That's what we feel. We feel that compliment is something you give something once in a long while. Why do you have to repeat yourself? It's the same message. When I change my mind, I'll let you know. Otherwise, it's the same feelings that I had last month. I don't have to repeat myself every time. By the way, it's logical. I think that makes sense also. But it, it doesn't work. And you see from the Amidah it doesn't work. And you see from real life it doesn't work. That compliments expire. So much so that we need to compliment the Creator three times a day. It's not enough. Three times a day. Again. I don't know what the measurement is between us and our children and our friends and the people that are close to us. But clearly... Complimenting is not a one-time experience, in and out. It's something that has to be constantly worked on. You'd be smart to look for different things every time. I wouldn't repeat the same one. You need to be strategic and smart. But a great mother, a great father, who has this reality in their mind, is always thinking... When do I have the opportunity to give somebody a compliment? A little child, an older child, a teenager. Teenagers need compliments more than any creation on the planet. They need to hear it. You tell them in the morning, 9 o'clock, by 10, they already forgot it. They need again. They're starving. 
They need to hear. As much as they will never tell you, they will never ask you. And by the way, when you tell them a compliment, they probably will react as if they're upset because you spoke to them. That's what teenagers do. But you should know they're starving to hear what you have to say and they'll never let you know it. They're sucking it up, every word that you say. They need it. It needs to be repeated in different ways, in different tones, in different situations. Everybody needs it. Your spouse needs it all the time. All the time. You know how many people in marriage feel unappreciated? 100%. Almost 100%. 99.9%. That's what they feel. It may not be real. It may be real, but that's what they feel. Complimenting constantly takes care of that. It's an art and it's a responsibility that if we would take it on and take it for everyone in our life, at least in the immediate surroundings, it would make tremendous miracles in our relationships. That's what we see in the Amidah. Compliments three times a day, at the very least. Now let's go continue with the Amidah. On this subject of compliments. When we open up the first Beracha in the Amidah, which is the Beracha of Shevah, of praise, of compliments, to the creator of the world, as we spoke about. So we find there, Ha'el, Ha'gadol, Ha'gibor, Ha'nora, all different qualities that Hashem has. And we compliment Him. And we start with the words, Elohenu velohe avotenu, our God, the God of our fathers, Elohe Abraham, Elohe Yitzhak, Velohe Yaakov. Hashem is the God of Abraham, the God of Yitzhak, the God of Yaakov. It's a very simple question on this. We're coming to praise the creator of the world. You know how big this world is? This world has, in our eyes, no end. Like I mentioned before, there are 100 billion stars just in this galaxy. This galaxy is one of millions, maybe more. There's no end to the size of this world. So you're coming to praise the creator of the world. Oh, Hashem, you're so special. You're amazing. You are the God of Abraham. The God of Abraham. It's like telling the Atlantic Ocean you're so big because you saw a little walnut shell swimming in the water. Say, wow, you're amazing. Look at the walnut shell that's in you. The Atlantic, you know how big the Atlantic Ocean is? 
You know how many things are in the Atlantic Ocean? That's what you saw in the Atlantic Ocean? A little shell? You're telling me the whole world and everything that Hashem created, the only thing you could find is He's the God of Abraham? That's all He is? The God of one man? Of Yitzhak? Of Yaakov? Wouldn't it be more appropriate when you're coming to praise the Creator to say, You are Elohe Ha'olam? You're the Melech Ha'olam. You're the King of this world. Start listing. The earth and all that's in it. Talk about how awesome. How awesome. How many. Beyond number. Like we say in Birkat Amazon. You're feeding the entire world. Every human. Eight billion humans. Every animal. I don't know what the numbers are. Way beyond the eight billion. Every animal in the world getting its food, its diet. Every day. Let's start talking about that. And could you imagine we're coming to give the creator of the world the praise, the compliments that's due to him. And instead of talking about how Big. Could you imagine that I gave a class in front of a million people in a stadium and someone comes to compliment me and says, you know, the class you gave last week when there were three people there, that was really special. Wow, it was amazing. I see how how great you are. So one second, what three people? I had a million people on top. Like, where are you? What are you what are you giving me a compliment? for a three-person class when I had a million people class. It just seems to be off. You're complimenting the Creator? You are the God of Abraham. I mean, Abraham is great, but there's so much more to this world than Abraham. And if you spoke about the entire world, Abraham would be included. He'd be included in that world. Why is this such a special compliment. So really it teaches us something about greatness. Because when we see that we compliment Hashem this way and we have a problem with it, that means that we're missing something. We think greatness, accomplishment is this way and all of a sudden we read the Amidah and say, oh, it's not. It's opposite of what we thought. We think that greatness comes in size. In how big, how many people do you speak to? Oh, you're a great speaker. You sit in front of a thousand people. Wow. You're really doing great things. That's how I would measure my success. How many people are coming to the class? How many people are listening? We measure greatness in size. How many thousands, millions, billions? The measurement of a great person, therefore, according to us, is the one who's able to do all of that. 
and comes the Amida in its beautiful way and teaches us a most awesome message that greatness, the greatness of the Creator isn't that He has so much going for Him. That He does so many things. No, no. His greatness is that despite how big He is, and despite how awesome he is, and despite how many things he's involved in, and taking care of the entire world, but he is focused and is interested in one person. That is greatness. Greatness isn't what you do for so many people. Greatness is that despite that you could do for so many people, but yet, you're focused on an individual. The greatness of Hashem is that He is not caught up in His greatness of, look what I'm doing for the entire world, for trillions of creations. The greatness of Hashem is that He has the time or the humility to actually worry about one, about a man by the name of Abraham. That is the greatness of a person. When they are concerned with the individual. And it has been my experience, and I'm sure it's written in the books, that you don't change people in wholesale. You cannot go up and change a hundred people at a time. You don't change a thousand people at a time. You don't change a million people at a time. You could inspire people. You could inform people. You could educate people. That you could do in a big way. But you don't change people in a wholesale manner. You change people by individual attention. It's the one-on-one -on -one interaction. It could be short, it could be long. But it's got to be that one-on-one -on -one touch, that you're actually connected to them on an individual level. That is the only way you could actually make a mark that stays in people's lives. It doesn't matter how many people come out to hear you. It's nice. It helps. But ultimately, that's not what makes the difference. The difference is the individual phone call the individual greeting, the individual issue that you dealt with. That is what makes the difference. And that is the, great, the greatness of the Creator. That He's so big, so large. Who has time for one person? Come on, you know how big I am? You know how many people I'm supporting? You know how many people are talking to me right now? How many people are asking for my help? I have time to go think about one individual. We open the Amidah and say, that is your greatness. And that's instruction for our greatness as well. In fact, when Moshe Rabbeinu was leaving this world and he prayed to Hashem for the next leader, that he should be someone appropriate 
So the words that he used when he pleaded with Hashem, he says, Yifkod Adonai Elohe Haruchot Lechol Basar. He speaks to Hashem and he says, Hashem, you are the God of the spirits. When did Hashem become the God of the spirits? When does Moshe talk to Hashem that way? Not every time he speaks to Moshe Hashem, he says, you Hashem, the God of the spirits. Why is he calling him that? In this request, when he's requesting a leader, why here, Hashem, you are the God of the spirits? And Rashi asked this question in Parashat Pinehas. Rashi says, Lama ne'emar? What happened all of a sudden? Hashem is the God of the spirits? Says Rashi, Amar lefanav, Moshe tells Hashem, Ribbono shel olam, Master of the universe, Galui ve'yadua lefanecha, You know very well. Da'ato shel kol ehad ve'ehad. You know, each one of these people is different. Ve'enan domin zelazeh. They each have a different mindset. Mane alehem, a point for them, on them. Manhig, a leader. kol ehad ve'ehad. That he should have patience for every individual lefi dato, according to his way. So when we say Elohe Haruchot, he's requesting from Hashem who has this midah, who Hashem knows the spirit of each person and therefore deals with them on an individual basis. Hashem deals with us individually, even though we sometimes don't realize that. It says that when we're judged on Rosh Hashanah, we go one by one, one by one like the sheep, one by one, in front of the shepherd. We're not judged wholesale. We're not judged altogether. We're judged as individuals. And Hashem looks at us as individuals and takes care of us as individuals. Each person has their own lane, their own road in their life. And Hashem is taking care of your lane, nobody else's lane. That's why when Moshe wants a new leader, he reminds Hashem of his quality. He's praising, complimenting. Hashem, look how great you are. You're Elohe Haruchot. You don't look at people as one. You look at individuals, each one in their unique way, and help them where they are. And Hashem got it, of course. And when he appoints the leader, Vayomer Adonai el Moshe, kah lecha et Yehoshua binun. Take Yehoshua binun. Ish, he is a man. You ask for El, you ask me, Elohe Haruchot. Ish asher ruach bo. Here is a man that has a spirit. What does that mean? We all have a spirit. Says Rashi, ka asher sha'alta. Like you asked, sheyuchal lahaloch keneged ruho shel kol ehad ve'ehad. He is an ish ruach. He's a person who understands 
the ruach of each person, understands the needs of each person, understands the level of each person, understands how to direct each person from where they are. That was the most concerning issue that Moshe Rabbeinu had in his mind when appointing a new leader. He wasn't worried so much, I guess, about who would teach them Torah. He wasn't worried who would lead them to Eretz Kena'an to capture the land, who would be able to divide the land. He wasn't worried about all of those things. Maybe he was, but that wasn't the first thing. This was the first and most important issue. Someone who understands the individual I don't need a leader that leads a crowd. We need a leader that leads individuals. That's the mark of a great person that the Jewish people need. And that's why the Pasuk says when Moshe Rabbeinu was making his request, he tells Hashem, please let not the Jewish people be like the sheep that don't have they don't have for them a shepherd. What does it mean they don't have for them a shepherd? I once saw that they have a shepherd. Moshe wasn't worried that we're not going to have a shepherd. Moshe wasn't worried that we're not going to have a leader. We always had a leader. Every nation has leaders. But he was focused on the word lahem. Lahem means for them, for every one of them. Of course there's going to be a leader. But is he leading them all together? If a leader is leading everyone as one unit, then he's probably worried more about himself than he's worried about them. That's the general understanding. If you lead people as a group, if you say, yeah, I'm the leader of a million, then really you're in it for yourself. But if you're the leader of an individual, one, two, three, four, two million, then you're in it for them. You're not in it for you. The big numbers are for you. The individual leadership is for them. Hashem tells Moshe, Moshe tells Hashem, please let this nation not be like the sheep who don't have lahem, Roy. They don't have a leader for them. They have a leader, but not for them. The leader is for himself. He's just getting a very, very high honor in having so many people under him. We don't want that kind of leader. We want a leader who's concerned about each individual. That is the greatness of the Creator when we open the Amida. That's what's on our mind. He's Elohe Avraham. He gets off of his high chair and is sitting with one person. Seems to be beneath his honor. Me? What one guy? Yeah, big I am? No, no. When you don't sit with one, when you don't care about one, it shows that you're small. That is the biggest sign that you're a small person. A really great person actually is more focused on the individual. That's what we see in the beginning of the Amidah. Hashem's focus is on the detail. The detail of the individual comes out in so many ways. All I can think about in this, I don't usually like 
sharing, sharing personal stories. But in this instance, I don't have another type to share. So my father, Allah Shalom, he was in the city of Aleppo, the chief rabbi. He was the Rosh Yeshiva. He was the one at every wedding. He was at every single event that was related to holiness in the city. And there were thousands of people. In the school, there were 400, 500, 350, depending on the time, children. And with all those responsibilities, I noticed myself, because I saw it firsthand, because I was one of the ones that actually went through it. He literally tested every student every year, which I cannot fathom how that's possible. Every student, 400 students, every year, at the end of year, every one individual, 10, 15 minutes, to see what they learned that year. A, it was a tremendous message to the teachers, but perhaps the greatest message to the students. That's not about 400. It's not about a school. It's about you. What are you doing? This place was open for you. We're teaching you. You're not one of. You're the one. It's an unbelievable thing. That always stands in my mind. I remember sitting online with 20 people waiting to go next to get tested. It was nerve-wracking. But it was very special. I'm not sure if I appreciated it then. But it was very special to have that individual care that you are important. Details in general is what make people great. Not the big things, it's the details. It is that way in many things in life. It is that way in tefillah. You know, it would seem to us that the best tefillah would be to stand in front of the Creator and say, Hashem, you know what needs to be done. It's all in your hand. Please take care of it. Good night. Easy. I mean, what more is there to say? It's all in his hands. You run the world. I surrender to you. You please do what you can. That seems to be the best tefillah. What are you getting involved in this business? This thing, that item, I need this, I need that. And, and by the way, this also, what are you reminding him? But yet in our tefillah, we don't do that. We go detail. Oh, I need this. Oh, and that. And also this. Oh, please, how about that? Because when you don't pay attention to, to detail, so there's something not sincere about what you're doing. When you pray and you say, Hashem, just take care of it. 
There's something not sincere about your request. You haven't put enough effort. You haven't thought enough about what you need and how you're going to approach it. Detail shows sincerity. It shows care. It shows responsibility. I'm not just handing it to you. You take care of it. It's my responsibility. This is my responsibility. But I need your help. This is my responsibility. I need your help. I need to look at the details that I need to work on. That I need from you to help me. I don't just throw it on you. You know what? You take care of it. Details. In tefillah. I saw once a tefillah that was written by the Hazonish. That he writes for a mother to say for her children during the Amidah. He says, Yehi ratzon lefanecha. He says, Hashem, it should be your will. Elokeinu veloke avotenu. Sheterahem albeni. That you should have compassion over my son. Vetahafoch et levavo. And you should turn his heart. Leahava to love. Will and to fear your name. Velishkod betoratcha. Hakdosha, and to learn your Torah with diligence. Nice. And then he says, Vetasir milefanav, and you should remove from before him kol hasibot, all the reasons, all the factors, hamonot oto, that are preventing him, mishekidat Toratecha, from not learning. Help him get rid of the obstacles that are in his way. Vetachin et kol asibot and prepare for him all the factors that will bring him to learn and to become a great person. Seems to be too much information. Tell Hashem, help my kids become great. Help them learn Torah. Help them be pure. But he goes into detail. Le'ahava to love, to fear. And then he starts going into more details. And you should remove from his way all the factors that are blocking. Hello? You're talking to the creator of the world. He knows what to do. You don't have to go into these details. If you tell him, Hashem, help me, that my son should learn, he knows what needs to be done. But it doesn't work like that. Tfilah, the power of tefillah is in the details. When you pray for your children or you pray for someone close to you, it needs to be a tefillah of quality. And a tefillah of quality can only happen with detail. My son Yosef, if you can help him in his challenge that he's having. My son Yaakov, if you can open his heart to be more loving to his siblings. My daughter Rahel, if you can make her more happy with herself and not nervous from what other people are saying. That's a tefillah. Says the Mishnah Berurah, when you pray for your children, it shouldn't be just a general prayer. That's not a meaningful prayer. General things are not meaningful. Specific detail. That's a powerful 
prayer. When you get involved with individuals, you become a powerful leader, a powerful person. And when you pray with details, your tefillah is powerful. Obviously, in order to pray for someone in detail, you have to identify their needs. You have to ask yourself, what does my son need? What does my daughter need? What's bothering them? What's the issue? What's blocking them? What new road do they need? You got to figure that out. Don't throw it on the creator of the world. It's your job to see first what you are able to see that he needs so that he can help you. Don't throw it on others. That's a sign of carelessness or irresponsibility. When you care about someone, you think about the details. There's great beauty in detail. In the physical world, it's like that. When people build homes, there are builders and there are builders. They can both put up the building. But how do you know if this builder is really top-notch? Like you're ready to spend any money and you want something top-notch. You don't want to skimp. You don't want to nothing. You want top. How do you know? They both show you a house. Oh, wow. Nice. You put this up on the ground? Yes. Wow, okay. They both height, same height, same width. They both followed plans. Looks good to you. When do you know that this is something you have to have? When you walk in, you can't look at the house in general. In general, they all look pretty much the same. Unless the guy is really lousy. But you'll know the greatness of the builder when you look at the detail. Like those corners. Right there, that corner. Where it's a little bit complicated. How to make things fit. How to paint should stop here. And then all of a sudden the new thing starts. Where the wallpaper ends with. All the little details is where you see how much the builder cares about his work. The general building doesn't show that. Details. There's beauty in details. In fact, we have four parashiyot in the Torah. Four. Count them. Parashat, Terumah, Tetzaveh, Vayakhel, Pekudeh. Four whole parashiyot that we sit and listen and read. And all of those parashot primarily deal with the building of the Mishkan. Every detail in that building, the wood, the sockets, the gold, the silver, the wool, the drapes, everything you could imagine, every detail. It's awesome, actually, that the creator of the world wants us to spend four weeks on the building of the Mishkan. I'll tell you why it's awesome. Number one, none of us will ever build a Mishkan. The Mishkan is a one-time building. Never going to come again. It's over. It's in the Mishkan never going to be built again. We have something called the Beta Midash. There is no Mishkan anymore. 
There is no such building. So you're getting instruction for something that is completely irrelevant. And by the way, even the people at the time, how many people actually had to know these details? Only the people involved in building. Yet four parashiyot in the instructions of Hilchot Shabbat, which they are endless halachot, Torah says, don't do melacha. That's it. That's all Torah says. And we need the oral Torah to explain on and on. But in the building of the Mishkan, four parashiyot, what is that all about? And the answer is, is that Hashem is telling us something. He's telling us that for the Shekhinah to rest, there needs to be attention, great attention, that's paid to details. Every detail of that building, every single piece of wood, every single measurement, everything has to be done perfectly. What does it matter? You know, sometimes people say, what does it matter if your tefillin is on a little to the right, a little to the left, a little to this? God, do you have to be so kosher? What's the big deal? It's not that much. It's a little bit. What does it matter if I do it this or this way? You know, if you look, if you notice, more than any other people in the world, Am Yisrael seems to be focused on details. So many details. Anything we do has like endless halachot. Korban Pesach, it's just a barbecue. That's all it is. You take a animal and you barbecue it. What halachot could there be? How many halachot are there for the July 4th barbecue? What, what, what do you have to do? Just take a piece of meat and barbecue it. But if it was a Jewish holiday, July 4th, they would say, well, what kind of hot dogs? How big? How what? What sauce can you add to the hot dogs? What kind of sandwich? What could be in the sandwich? When should they be cooked? When should they be prepared? Can you have chicken or no? You know, you're laughing. I'm not exaggerating. Open up Korban Pesach and you'll see the laws are the no end. It's unbelievable. What's the big deal? Like, aren't we getting lost here? Isn't, is that like the, the thing? Isn't the most important thing, bottom line, bring a sheep, eat it, enjoy it, barbecue it, have a good time. Everything is like that. Open up Al-Khot Tefillin. You're going to go out of your mind. How many details? Every detail you can't imagine. Someone who didn't learn Halakha cannot imagine. We're learning Hilchot Shabbat in depth. You learn one melacha, not 39, one. And it's like a sea, it's an ocean. And when you're in it, you don't know how to get out. So many details. Like in the world of cooking, how hard could that be? Don't cook on Shabbat. Simple, done, it's over. Do you know how many thousands of details? Thousands of details. What's called cooking? Oh, what do you, I, I thought I knew what's cooking. No, no. Let's identify what exactly is cooking. Okay. 
What if you cook with the sun? What if it's a microwave? What if you cooked it halfway and now you cook more? Let's say you only cooked a halfway. Is that cooking? Let's say you already cooked it all and now you want to reheat it. And let's say it's liquid. Does it make a difference? What if it's majority liquid? Or if it's minority liquid? And you, you know how long this can go on? You know when? Aren't we losing focus here? Somebody once asked me that. I was at an airport. It's going back many years, maybe 30 years. Wow. At an airport. I wasn't a rabbi. I'm saying that for a reason. So I see somebody at the airport, our flight's delayed. We were both by a trade show. And uh, so we have a few hours in the airport. And I see this man, I don't really know him, but I, you know, it's in the community, so you just know everybody in the airport. So all of a sudden he sits down next to me, and we're talking, and he says, you want to eat something? I'm looking for, uh, you know, kosher delight. I'm looking for uh, Jerusalem Steakhouse. Where exactly does he want me to eat something? So, you know, Martin, you come sit down. He says, we'll just have a salad. I said, you know, I'll sit with you. I said, but I'm not having a salad. Oh, he says, are you like them? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm looking, I'm not trying to answer him. He's like, and he goes on, and he's not, he's not asking for money. I'm, not, I'm just sitting, listening to him. And he goes on and on. Like, what could be wrong with a tomato? Tell me. What could be wrong with a piece of lettuce? What could be wrong? And he started going in this tirade how, how the people that I'm from, those people, were just so bogged down in the details. And this, just relax. It's kosher, not kosher. What could be not kosher about this? This is the, I'm listening to this. I'm trying not to answer the guy. And to be honest, I didn't answer him. Because it wasn't that kind of person. He wasn't really looking for an answer. But there's an answer to this question. And I wish you would be able to hear. Is it the beauty of our relationship in Hashem is only through the details. It's the details of what we do that makes it so beautiful. It's the details of the marriage that make the marriage beautiful. It's not the big things. It's the small things that you notice. It's the small things that you do. It's the small things that you say. It's the so small things that make a great marriage, not the big things. The Mishkan for Parashiyot. Hashem is saying to us, you know how you will attach yourself with me? Through details. Details are beautiful. Details means you're thinking about the person. Details means you care enough to look into it further. It means you take a piece of lettuce and you just don't put it in your mouth. You have to first look at it to see if it's good. That detail makes you closer, makes you more responsible, 
makes it warmer. That's the way it works in everything. By the way, if you look in the story of Abraham Abinu, with the kindness that he did for those guests, you will realize that Hashem didn't write in the Torah and Abraham was kind to his guests. He didn't do that. He spent one pasuk after another pasuk, another pasuk, and he did this, and he ran, and he got, and he got, and he slaughtered, and he got, and he ran to his wife. And all the small details. Because when you do kindness for someone, it's the small details. Relationships that have detail become great relationships. Details means you care. Details means it's important to you. Make it personal. Make it specific. I've told you this many times. I think there's no question. We really all know this. Maybe you can't say it the way I just said it, but it's, it's obvious. I've told you before that when a child does something and you say, wow, that's so great. It's okay to say that. But if you actually explain why it's so great, take a picture that they drew a two-year-old. Try it with a two-year-old, a three-year-old. They drew a picture and you say, oh, that's so nice. Okay, thanks, Mom. Oh, wow, that, that blue over there? How'd you think of that? Can't believe it. And then you mix it with yellow right next to it? Wow, what was going on through your mind that you did that? You will see all of a sudden this little kid beaming, saying, sitting there on your lap and trying to figure out what he himself probably didn't realize. When you say great, great job, beautiful, of course there's room for that sometimes. But when it comes to meaningful moments and meaningful people and meaningful relationships, it's not going to be built by those kind of comments. Great job. Hazak. Marabu ma'asecha Hashem. Hashem is so great. No, no. That's not going to cut it. You need to start focusing on the small things. Notice, in the morning when we wake up, we don't just say, Hashem, you know, this world is awesome. The way you made me is awesome. Have a great day. We don't do that. Oh, wow. My back is straight. Thank you for that. My eyes open. Ooh. I could walk. You gave me shoes. You get all the details. 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 It doesn't work when you give something in a general way. Again, there's room for that. But when it needs to be done in a meaningful way, it doesn't work. Think harder and see what you could say that actually is in detail. That's what we learn from the Amidah. When we open up to praise the creator of the world, instead of saying, oh, you're the king of the world, you're the best, you're on top, no one like you. Eloheh, 
Abraham. Wow. You are the God of Abraham. Abraham is the most important thing for you when you're dealing with Abraham. Nobody else. That is greatness. Now I have a question for you. Once we're on the subject. So we open the Amidah. Baruch atah Hashem Elokeinu Veloke Avotenu. Eloi Abraham, Eloi Yitzhak, Eloi Yaakov. I don't know if you know this rule, but I'm going to share with you a rule now. It's a rule not only in prayer, it's a rule in every single blessing that we make. Whether it's the beracha we make before we eat, beracha after we eat, beracha that we make on mitzvot, every beracha that we make, and there are many. The rule the Gemara says in Masechet Berachot is as follows. Any Beracha, any blessing that doesn't describe Hashem as the king of the world is not a Beracha. Baruch atah Hashem Elokenu Melech HaOlam She'akol Niyah Bezara You don't say Melech HaOlam you say Beracha Baruch atah Hashem She'akol Niyah Bezara no good. Say it again. Doesn't work. It's not, a, it's not a blessing. If you don't say Melech HaOlam, if you don't refer to Hashem as the king of the world, so then your blessing is lacking too much. That is the rule. Melech HaOlam. You have to say the king of the world. That's what the Gemara says. And that's Halakha Lema'aseh. Comes Tosfot on the spot over there and says, wait, time out. There's a problem. We have, we found one Beracha that doesn't have Melech HaOlam. And it's a Beracha, not that we say like once a year. It's probably the most often recited Beracha. We say it three, four times a day. The Beracha of the Amidah. There's no Melech HaOlam. What happened to Melech HaOlam? Where is it? So Tusafot says that even though it doesn't say the king of the world, but since it mentions Abraham, Elohe Abraham, Abraham was the one who brought Hashem into the world. He made people aware of the Creator. What's a Melech? What's a king without a nation? So Hashem is always the Melech. But who made Hashem the Melech down here? Who made Hashem a Melech in this world? That's why it says that the, the, the Avod are called the Merkava, the chariots. They brought Hashem down into the world. They made people aware. Hey, do you know who made you? How'd you get here? Where'd that food come from? On and on. That's what Abraham taught. So when we say Elohe Abraham, that is equal to Melech HaOlam. So the rule, says Tosfot, is a good rule, and we use it all the time. Oh, the Amidah, it's good enough. Elohe Abraham is the equal of Melech HaOlam. That's Tosfot. So I have a question for you. I'm accepting Tosfot's answer. Elohe Abraham and Melech Olam is 
interchangeable. But guess what? We never use it, ever. We never use such a beracha. So while it is acceptable, but why specifically by the first beracha in the Amidah do we use it and nowhere else? Again, Tosfot just answers that it's acceptable, but they're not saying why it's used that way. Why do we veer from Melech HaOlam to Elohe Avraham, Elohe Yitzhak? Why do we do that? Why in the first Beracha of the Amidah? Well, according to what we just said, it's a beautiful answer. That maybe when we're coming to praise the Creator, this is the Beracha of praise. We actually don't talk about how big Hashem is. We want to praise Him for that despite how big He is, look how great He is. Look how great He comes down to one person. That is the great praise of Hashem. So maybe in the Berachah, where we're focused on the praise, so we go and we go into the detail to show the greatness of Hashem. But I have another answer for you. I have an answer why, specifically in the first Berachah of the Amidah, do we start talking about the God of Abraham? There is a pasuk. You know, before the pasuk, in this beracha, there are many praises that we say. All what's the first one? I would imagine the first one is like the one. What's the first one? So maybe the first one would be Ha'el Hagadol. But it could be it's not so. It could be that the first compliment in this beracha is the words Elohe Abraham, Elohe Yitzhak, Elohe Yaakov. Because there is no greater compliment. What is the greatest compliment you could give someone? There are so many beautiful compliments, so many beautiful things that we accomplish in life. So many things that we could say, wow, awesome, beautiful. But what is the greatest compliment that you can give a human on this planet? Perhaps the biggest compliment is what Shlomo HaMelech says. Shlomo HaMelech says in Mishle, Ateret Zekenim Bene banim. He says the crown of elders are their grandchildren. What does that mean? A crown is something that you put on someone's head. So people don't mistake in that person for just another person. You have a thousand people in the room. Nobody wears a crown. Everyone looks like they're more or less the same. So somebody comes with a crown and puts it on the head of one person. To make sure everybody knows, hey, that's not a regular person. That's a different kind of person. He's the king. He's someone special. So in this world, we put crowns on people who are special. So that people don't 
make a mistake and treat them like regular, and maybe for themselves to remind themselves too that they're special, we put a crown on their head. Says Shalom HaMelech, what is the greatest crown that a human could wear on their head? Says Shalom HaMelech, it's not a crown that you can buy. It's not a crown that people will put on you. It's not a crown that comes from external. There's a crown that you actually make. There's a crown that sits on your head and nobody gave it to you. You made it from within. It doesn't cost money. It's a crown that comes from your great achievement. What is the greatest achievement that we can give you the crown? The crown, here it is. When you put a crown on somebody, it means the top. When Shlomo HaMelech says, what is the crown of an elder? You know what that means? In other words, what is the greatest achievement in life? There's nothing higher than this achievement. The greatest achievement in this world and the greatest nahat, the greatest pleasure in this world is bene banim, is your children, your grandchildren. Hashem has to bless you, A, to get married. He has to bless you to have children. That's his job with your effort. But the biggest nahat, the biggest pleasure and the greatest accomplishment in a person's life is the quality of their grandchildren. Your grandchildren is your greatest achievement. It is the crown that sits on your head that nobody could take away from you and no one could give it to anyone for free. It's something you develop and you enjoy. I know firsthand that Thank God, I have a mother that's 90 years old. And she doesn't have much going on in her life. She's not vacationing like anybody here. She's not going out to eat. She's not going shopping. She's not going out. She's not doing much. She's got a lot of enjoyment in her life. But I could tell you without a question, Without a question, there's no, it's not, it's not a close second. Talk to her about what she built, talk to her about what she did, or where she went, all nice. But there's nothing that gives her more pleasure than her children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. Nothing, nothing close. You will start immediately seeing a different face, a different kind of smile, tears. It's a different type of pleasure. It's the crown, ateret zekenim, the crown of the elder, meaning the greatest achievement a human can accomplish on this planet is benebanim, the quality of your grandchildren. That is the greatest achievement, and therefore, it's not by accident why it's the greatest pleasure, because the greatest achievement. Nothing is better than that. Now, by the way, why does Shlomo say bene banim? Why not banim? Why grandchildren? Why not children? The answer is that children that are doing well are not necessarily a success. Because it could be 
that they're just copying their parents. They're just using what they got from their parents and they're kind of using their parents' legs to do what their parents did. My father does this, I do it. My mother does that, I do it. They're kind of robotic. They were taught just to follow. When do you know that what you gave your children is authentic? When it's real, when they're standing on their own feet. And how do you know they stand on their own feet? When their own children are also following your great ways. You see, authentic people can make something special, but fake robots can't be a, can't produce that much. That's why Lot's children were not so good in kindness. While Lot, the student of Abraham, we see him almost risking his life to do kindness. How does children not have that midah? The answer is that Lot just copied Abraham. It was a copy. It wasn't real. It wasn't from his own legs. It was something he saw and he just copied in his life. It didn't carry over to his children. So when do you know you are successful? When you see your children giving to their children. Ateret zekenim banim. So therefore when we open up the bracha that complements the creator of the world, we say, Elohe Abraham. You know the greatest compliment you can give the creator of the world? That he had a son like Abraham. Oh, that's your son? Oh. Yitzhak is your son? A maid, that's your son? I can't believe it. Yeah, it's my grandson. Really? That is the greatest compliment. So here we veer from Melech Olam and we compliment the creator of the world in the highest compliment. You know, the Pasuk says in Az Yashir, when Am Yisrael was crossing the Yamsuf, they had such a clarity of Hashem. They understood his character. They understood everything about him. They were so excited. They said, Elo, they said like this, Ze Eli, this is my God. They saw him. They, they had such a clear understanding. Ze Eli, ve'anvehu. I will just beautify him. I will say how beautiful he is. How beautiful is that? Elohe Abi and the God of my father, that's the same one. Va'aromemenhu, I will raise him. What does that mean? Ze'eli, this is my God. Ve'anvehu, I'll say how beautiful he is. Elohe Abi, but the God of my father, va'aromemenhu, I will raise him. I once saw a story about a woman that was walking the streets of Vilna. She looked like a very hashub woman. And some people, as they were walking by her, they asked her, excuse me, could you tell us your name? She says, my name is Trainer Landau. They said, oh wow, it's Landau. Nice to see you. May you be blessed. You look like a very special woman. And they continued walking. And then this woman, she turns to them as they're going away from her. She says, 
Have you ever heard of the Gaon Nivilna? They said, who didn't hear of the Gaon Nivilna? He says, that's my son. Said, that's your son? You're the mother of the Gaon Nivilna? And they started a circle around her. Started dancing. The mother of the Gaon Mevilna? Am Yisrael said, Ze'eli, this is Hashem. Oh, Hashem, you're so special. Amazing, beautiful. Ve'anvehu, I will talk about how beautiful you are. Elohe Avi, you're the father of my father? Your son is Abraham? What? You're Moshe Rabbeinu's father? You had a kid like that? Ve'arom I'm going to carry you. I'm going to lift you. The greatest compliment. Elohe Abraham, Elohe Yitzhak, Elohe Yaakov. There is no greater investment in this world than our children. There is no greater investment that we need to start from a very young age than our family. There is nothing that could be as valuable, as pleasurable, it's something we have to think about from an early age. How our children are going to grow to be people of great value, people of responsibility, people of Torah, people of mitzvot, people of greatness. There's nothing, doesn't matter, any other accomplishment in your life doesn't even come close. We spend so much time on building homes. We spend so much time on shopping. We spend so much time on cooking. We spend so much time on many things and we should definitely spend some time on it. But there's nothing more important than to see our children and where they're going to be in 10, 15, 20, 30 years from now. That our children should be proud to be our children and we should be proud to be their parents. That's what it says. Ve'ele toledot Yitzhak ben Abraham. Yitzhak is the son of Abraham, as we know already many times. But repeat it again. Abraham holid et Yitzhak. Abraham was the father of Yitzhak. Midrash says, what's going on here? If, the, if Yitzhak is the son of Abraham, then obviously Abraham is the father of Yitzhak. What is the point that the Pasuk is trying to make? Says the Midrash. The Pasuk says in Mishle, Ateret Zekenim, the crown of elders, Bene Banim, is their grandchildren. Sounds familiar? I hope you didn't forget it yet. Vetif Eret Banim, and the pride of banim, of children, is avotam, is their parents. Says the Midrash that when Yitzhak was proud to be the son of Abraham, the Elle Toledot Yitzhak, ask Yitzhak, who are you? Me. 
You know, my father, I'm the son of Abraham. That means Abraham was such a person that his children were proud. You know, sometimes children can become great despite their parents. Despite the parents were completely not the right role models. That could happen. Those kids are not going to be the crown of their parents. But when the kid says, my parents, you know who my mother is? You know who my father is? Yitzhak walked around and said, my father is Abraham. When you have a son that is proud that you're his father and mother, then Abraham could be proud that he's Holid et Yitzhak. The proud Abraham is when Yitzhak is proud of his father. That's what the Pasuk says in the Midrash means. When when the crown of your grandchildren come to your head, when your children, Tif'eret Banim Avotam, when you act in such a way, in such a regal way, in such a beautiful way you live your life, that your children say, that's my father, that's my mother. When your children talk about you like that, you're on your way to get your crown. When there's a Yitzhak that says, look at my father, there's going to be an Abraham that says, look at my son. That is our greatest investment in life much more than anything that we can accomplish. And it starts at a very young age to invest in the greatness of our children and grandchildren, to think about how they're going to be something very special and very great. Because that truly will be our greatest success and the greatest compliment that anyone can give us. And that's how we start our Amidah. We start our Amidah by giving the Creator the greatest praise. You are the Father of such great people. And I hope and pray that we too will be able to have such a great crown on our heads. Amen ve'amen. Amen. 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 Amen.